Nerd Podcast, the adventure that brings you the latest nerd news and rumors from movies, TV, entertainment, and sometimes science. That's right, you name it, if it is nerdy, we are talking about it. And tonight's main event is Cobra Kai Season 4 Nerdy! I'm your host, Austin, and with me, as always, is the amazing Amanda! The wild yet elusive Jetta. Hello. And Burn Brady Burn. I was not expecting that from you, Brady. That's my Tuscan greeting. Oh, oh no, that was your Tuscan Raider impression for our Book of Boba Fett talk later. That's right, folks. We're going to be talking Cobra Kai Season 4. We're also going to be talking a whole lot of other cool nerd news to include Bill Murray is talking about joining the MCU as the villain for the upcoming Ant-Man movie. Rumors are saying that Harrison Ford's Han Solo will be back in the book of Boba Fett. NASA's James Webb Space Telescope is fully deployed and a whole lot more. So make sure to hit that podcast subscribe button. We would love to nerd out with you each and every week. And if you've already hit that podcast subscribe button, you know what I'm going to say. Plus 10 Nerd XP to you. We love you guys. Nerd XP. And for everyone else, as soon as you hit that podcast subscribe button, you too can start earning Nerd XP. Nerd XP. All right. Jackie, what's nerdy with you? Um, So I'm currently in Utah visiting family. And part of that is I've been introduced to a couple like new Switch games. Um, well, one's not necessarily new, and I think it's found on Xbox as well, but it's called Hades, and I've been hearing a lot about it, and I played it, and I liked it, so I bought it. But the story of Hades is, like, you are you play the character of Zagreus, who's, like, the prince of the underworld, and you're trying to escape the underworld. And right now, where I am in the game, I don't know why I'm trying to escape the underworld, like, trying to get away from Hades, because Hades is his Zagreus's father you know but like that's what you're trying to do is you're trying to escape the underworld but it's really fun because if you die you just get kind of like resurrected again but when you die it says like there is no escape because you're in the underworld so there's you just start right back at the beginning kind of thing and it's been really fun so I've been playing that and then the other game I play is the new like Super Mario Party where it's like all of the past Super Mario Party games on the Switch and that's been nice. really fun nice very cool all right brady what's nerdy with you man oh man you know just stuff i finally got my kid reading the Dragonlance novels nice that's what happens when you you share your kindle library and uh you don't buy him any more books so he's forced to read what's on there so (laughs) i I kind of forced his hand on that um but yeah you know i i've always been i've you guys know me i'm kind of a creative hobbies, creative endeavor, like hop around and do different stuff. Right. So I got this MIDI sequencer. Um, I got this Akai uh, MPK mini and I've been sequencing music. So that's been kind of fun. I've been like writing some stuff, um, playing around with that, learning the software. I I played in bands for years when I was younger and uh, played the bass and the guitar, but um but yeah, so this is kind of a musical creative outlet without me having to have the neighbors hate me. Um, 
So I did that, nice. finished up, uh, finished up one of the Gaslands cars, uh, got some guns and stuff mounted on it, but just general stuff like that and playing a lot of No Man's Sky, a lot nice, of No Man's Sky, nice. space exploration. Oh, next weekend. Yeah, you told us about that. Yeah, next weekend we're going to, um, in fact, well, yeah, um, next weekend we will be down in Corpus Christi, Texas, staying overnight on the USS Lexington aircraft carrier with the scouts. Whoa. Ooh, so cool. yeah, we, you get to tour the, you get to tour the boat and, uh, you know, go to different places that the regular visitors don't get to go like down into the engines and that kind of thing. So we did that with the battleship Texas in Houston a few years ago. And we've been really excited about going to the Lexington for years, but COVID has been, you know, mm. shutting everything down. But we're going down there. We're going to wear the masks while we're there. And I don't know if we'll actually stay overnight, but we're going to stay through the whole evening program and then then head on back. So, yeah, that'll be fun. I'm excited about that one. Nice. The boys are, too. Awesome. The boys are really excited about it. Yeah. Dude, I want to go. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> that the only so thing cool. is, if you ever do an overnight on a ship, um, just know that. They don't make waking up pleasant. I got a heads up on that ahead of time. So I slept with some earplugs in. So when they came in in the morning with the cowbell, I was ready. (laughs) Uh, That brings back memories. (laughs) All right, Amanda, what's nerdy with you? So Austin and I for movie night this week with our kids, he wanted to watch Memphis Bell. Memphis Bell. A really cool World War II I Air Force movie. I have been trying mm-hmm. for months. Just like I've just, just before like, he no, even wanted to watch Memphis no, Bell. No, I've been trying for I've months. I've been trying too. All right, for Apollo 13. Okay. Another so, good movie. Yeah. We exactly. both. We, let's get the facts straight. We've both been trying for months to watch these two movies. I've been doing it for almost a year. So. Uh. <laughs> You've been I don't, trying I don't November, think so. Right? I don't think so. Anyways, yes. continue. Anyway, so we had a roll off to see who D20. A D20 roll off to see who would win the movie. We did an uh, ability the, check. The movie choice. Whoever rolled higher got their movie. So I rolled first and got a two. And I was so happy. A two out of 20 is really good odds for me. That I'm like I, I'm already thinking to myself. All oh, right, I got this in the bag. We're gonna be watching this movie. I can't wait to see it. I've been waiting for months to watch Memphis Bell. I'm so looking forward to it. <laughs> and he rolls a one. And I roll a one. <laughs> I roll a one. And, and I will say this. Um, so Austin posted it on Facebook that this had happened, and people were like, "Oh man, we're sorry about the Hallmark movie." And <laughs> I'm like, "It was not that." Well, it's because it was a critical failure. If you got a critical failure, off to the Hallmark channel. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, that's so funny. That is so funny. But I, but I, uh, I got people to agree that the next movie that we do for Family Movie Night will be Memphis Bell. (laughs) Have you you guys seen that movie? It's been a long time. Yeah, it's an older movie. It's a really good movie. I've never seen it. It's a good. Amanda's going to really like it because her. her grandfather was a World War II bomber pilot. No, he, oh, was, that's cool. he was the navigator. Okay, navigator. That's a B-25 whatever. Liberator, isn't it? Isn't that what they're flying? Isn't that what the Memphis Bell was? Or Something was like it that. a B-17? Yeah. But, but th- those are the ships, uh, or the ships. Do you call them ships? Those are the planes. 
that uh, her her grandfather was in. So I'm like, of course you got to watch this. So, 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 so she wins both ways. <laughs> so I enjoyed I enjoy Apollo 13 too. It's just I wasn't in the mood for it. So, anyways, yeah. this is oh. bugging me. I got to see what it. Oh, it looks like a B17. Okay. Yeah, was, I don't know. Traditional right. World War II bomber. So, <laughs> All right, we got a lot in our news, so let's get to it. Many Bothans died to bring us this information. And what is the news that should be on your nerd radar? Well, Bill Murray is joining the MCU as a villain in the next Ant-Man sequel. That's right. Bill Murray let the cat out of the bag that he was going to be in Marvel's Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania during a recent appearance on the Eli Manning show. Murray revealed he's playing, quote, a bad guy. And that's pretty much it. He didn't expand on that. All we know, though, is that he's playing a villain. But in another interview with the German magazine, Murray opened up a bit more saying, quote, you know, recently I made a Marvel movie. I probably won't tell you, but never mind. In any case, some people were quite surprised why I decided on such a project. But for me, the thing was quite clear. I got to know the director and really liked him very much. He was funny, humble, everything you want from a director. And with the cheerleader story, Bring It On, he made uh, a movie years ago, which I think is very good. So I agreed, although I'm not interested in these huge comic book adaptions as an actor otherwise, end quote. When asked why Bill Murray chose Ant-Man to make his comic book movie debut and if he would be in multiple MCU movies moving forward, he responded by saying, quote, let's put it this way. The director is a good guy. And now I've at least tried out what it's like to shoot a Marvel movie, but I don't think I need that experience a second time. And to come back to your previous question, I have mostly had a pretty good knack for avoiding the nasties of this industry. Fortunately, most good artists are also good people. At least that's how I experience it with my friends, end quote. So maybe he's just a bad guy in that he's not good friends with Lewis. And maybe he's like harassing Lewis. I don't know. I'm just Lewis. Which one's Lewis? Um, he's played by Michael Pena. He's the guy who. Um, oh, is he the, the dude that goes on the rambling? Rant? Yes. He's like, dude, this is how it went down. Yes, that's yeah. exactly it. Because <laughs> be I mean, funny. he doesn't. Oh, well, I now, think it would be a waste if they didn't make him the main villain. But that's a personal opinion. Well, if he's not the main villain, maybe he's just the guy collecting rent. And he's and, <laughs> and he's the uh, the villainous <laughs> landlord. You know, that'd be pretty funny. He's a, I could see Bill Murray embellishing a little bit for, for entertainment's sake. I don't know. What do you guys think of uh, Bill Murray joining the MCU? I think it's going to be weird. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I love Bill Murray. He's an icon. Like, if if – if anyone's an icon, Bill Murray is, but I, I don't know how that's going to shake out. It's going to be kind of, yeah. I, I, it's hard to conceptualize. I'm just like, it's so yeah. funny because every time like Bill Murray, I always think Ghostbusters, no matter what movie, yes. other movie he's been in, I'm just like, Oh, Ghostbusters. So it'll be funny. I mean, I think it's great. I, I like it that he was wanting to give Marvel a shot. I think that's great. Like, he deserves to have that on his record, you know? Like, yeah, I did a Marvel movie. I think that's great. Yeah, he's, he's going to definitely wanna, increase. And, like, especially because, like, you know, Marvel, like, I, I feel like Marvel has their whole, this whole, I don't know how to describe it. They have, like, this, this like, type, in a way, 
to like, it's like a Marvel movie. They have these certain aspects of it. And so I want to see how Bill Murray will play into that. Well, he, he, I think he's going to definitely raise the bar and increase the humor. That's for sure. Oh, definitely. It'll be fun. All right, moving on. So Andrew Garfield is now talking about the possibility of returning as Spider-Man, as opposed to him constantly denying that he's returning as Spider-Man. So Andrew Garfield sure seems to be enjoying the opportunity to talk about Spider-Man again. For the longest time, all he could do was deny the fact that he was in Spider-Man No Way Home, and now he's out there talking about it every chance he gets. The big question now is, will we see Garfield back in the role of Spider-Man again? Well, you can bet that Sony and Marvel are having those discussions, especially after the response from fans when he and Tobey Maguire showed up. Uh, Garfield hopes to have the opportunity again, and when asked if he would ever suit up again in an interview with Entertainment Weekly, he said, quote, Never say never. It's a character that's always going to be so meaningful to me and so beautiful to me, and again, it comes back to service. I think if there's a way, because that's what this character is all about, He's all about serving the greater good and serving his fellow people, serving humanity and all life. So if there's a way for me to continue to add to the legacy of that character in a way that feels like it's of service to an audience, of service to the themes that co-creator Stan Lee injected with the, with that character, with, Gar, uh, with, I'm open, of course. I'm very, very open. But it would have to be very, very special. It would have to be very, very meaningful and fun and joyful like doing No Way Home was, end quote. Yeah, I I mean, I really liked Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. And I would, I want him to come back. I would love to, like, give him a trilogy. It's like, let's finish this trilogy. <laughs> another movie. That way, all of them have three movies. It's like, let's get there. Like, come on. Like, he deserves a third movie. Well, you know, there's been a lot of talk about that as far as, you know, now that the multiverse is kind of opened up, if Sony has its own Spider-Man, you know, set, right, then he could he could very well be that. I mean, we've we've established that he exists. Right. So, you know, if if he exists over there and they're able to um, leverage Andrew Garfield, which so many people hope they do. Because it's he, he's such a different Spider-Man than the others, then maybe they can maybe they can finish out that trilogy at least. You know, so they could have Andrew Garfield be the Spider-Man in the the universe that Venom's in with Tom yeah. Hardy Venom. Exactly, that would be awesome. That I just want to awesome. see Tom Hardy's Venom versus Spider-Man, or them teaming up yeah. or doing something. I agree with that. I that's that would be a see that would be the great Andrew Garfield movie <laughs> right there. They have it. They yes, have ingredients. Now make us the cake. <laughs> and I think they should. I mean, yes. obviously, I mean, if, cake. <laughs> yeah. Twitter, Twitter was all over him being part of the, you know, being back in the mix. So well, and what's great is he had this healing moment of saving MJ. Well, they can introduce like Felicia Harding. We could get Black Cat in yeah. Spider-Man now. With him. That would be so awesome. You know, I've heard people talk about uh the whole, you know, Tom Hardy is in uh the Amazing Spider-Man universe. Like why why does I I'm just curious, why does everybody think that? Is it 
they think just Tom Hardy's Venom is more Andrew Garfield Spider-Man style no, or something. No, I or? wasn't saying that. I was saying they could. That no, was no, me. I get that. But I, I but, think it's because of um, Topher Grace, like his Venom. Oh, it's, yeah. It's more like building off because you had Toby mm. McGuire and Topher Grace. Topher Grace played Eddie Brock and was Venom there. So it's like, you know, you have that in the universe. And now that, you know, Marvel's expanding this whole like multiple yeah. universes, different Spider-Man, it's like, ooh, the, you know, I get, yeah. if you're not going to have Tom Hardy in Tom Holland's universe, then the next best thing is put him in with Andrew Garfield because yeah, McGuire's universe, there's already a Venom there. Like, you know, especially since they're not yeah. like getting rid okay. of, like, you know, No Way Home, they pretty much said like, we are acknowledging those other Spider-Man movies this way. So that's where it's kind of opening that door. So that does make sense. Yeah. Because, uh, Topher Grace and then the spy, uh, the Venom left part of his little symbiote mm-hmm. black goo yeah. and Tom Holland. And, and so where would he go back to Andrew Garfield? So, ah, that's very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. All right, moving on. Tamara Morrison is teasing that the book of Boba Fett will be full of surprises. And if rumors are to be believed, we could be seeing the return of Harrison Ford's Han Solo. So during a recent interview with The Hollywood Reporter, Tamara Morrison excitedly started teasing some of the surprises in the Book of Boba Fett, saying, yes, full of surprises. The Book of Boba Fett, full of surprises series. Yeah, we've got some good stuff coming up. Oh, wait till episode seven. Wow. End quote. (laughs) So what could we be expecting to see in that big season finale, episode seven? Well, there is a rumor making the rounds online. According to this rumor, there's a chance the season finale could bring back Han Solo. Not only that, but Harrison Ford is reportedly returning to play the character. It's said that maybe Ford will be de-aged for a younger version of Solo, Uh, just like they did for Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker at the end of season two of The Mandalorian. So, you know, it could make a lot of sense to see Ford return and come face-to-face again with the bounty hunter that froze him in carbonite and brought him to Jabba in the first place. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But I don't know. What do you guys think of this? I think that would be all kinds of awesome. Like, when I first first heard that, I'm like, okay, that's kind of cheesy, whatever. They'll bring Harrison Ford back. But, I mean, when are we ever going to get to see... Harrison Ford in in that role again. We're not. And more importantly, when will we get to see that role handled well on screen? Right. You know, because if you look at the final trilogy, but it is what it is. It was not the best. Right. I have a lot of hope and faith in this in this creative team that uh, if Harrison Ford is brought back in, it'll be appropriate and it'll be well done. And I think it would be amazing to see. I would be more excited to see that than I was, Luke. Really? Yeah. It, I, Brady. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, you it, it would be quite interesting to hear the uh, back and forth conversation between Boba Fett and Han Solo. Hey, you froze me in carbonite. Yeah, you know, I'm just a simple man trying to make his way through the universe. You, you know, know, they're not that different. They're not. They're really not, you know. Um, there's a lot of uh, oh, there, there's a lot of through lines with them that are very similar. Okay, uh, wait a minute. I'm about to freak out here. <laughs> <laughs> I need to borrow your ship. Here's the nerd Stradamus. Pay attention. The... Here goes nerd Stradamus. Nerd Stradamus. <laughs> what if? Okay, so there's been another rumor, 
And I just I decided not to put this one on the show today. But there is another rumor that there there might be an upcoming Han Solo or Solo Star Wars story um, Disney Plus TV series. What if they bring back Harrison Ford's Han Solo and and he is now like an ally of Boba Fett? It's like they flip the s- script a little bit. You know, Han Solo is trying to make money. What's Boba Fett trying to do? He's trying to make money. What if, what if, you know, what if they, you know, set, set personal differences aside, it's business. They, they team up in the book of Boba Fett. And then this Han Solo rumor of a Disney plus show builds off of what we see in the book of Boba Fett. So instead of a solo, you know, era Han Solo story, maybe we see a Han Solo solo story from the book of Boba Fett moving onward. That'd be cool. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's I agree. That's daydream material right there. But it's daydream material that I like. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. All right. Moving on. COVID has temporarily shut down filming of Star Trek Picard season two. So filming on Paramount Plus's drama Star Trek Picard has been shut down since last week following a sizable COVID-19 outbreak on the set. Sources are saying that more than 50 members of the large production have tested positive last Monday, which was the first day of work after the Christmas break. The Patrick Stewart-led series was one of television's, has, has one of television's biggest crews, numbering more than 450 staffers. The infectious impact the infections impacted multiple zones, including cast in zone A. I guess they they bring them in on zones, so that way if they do outbreak, they can set zone A off to the side, but it might not affect the other zones. So anyways, that's what cast on zone A is. So production on the series, because of zone A's uh, infections, has, has, has just shut down the series completely. Monday uh, was a reminder... Uh, just how how dark this COVID impact all of Hollywood. And sources say filming is expected to resume, hopefully, early next week, if not sooner. So Picard is filming in L.A., which obviously has a lot of cases right now, uh, over 26,000, 2,000-something, some hospitalizations. And in California, on average, there's about 59,000 cases reported a day from uh, New Year's. Eve. So I I hope it doesn't delay season two coming out too much. I don't know. What do you think of this? Yeah, hopefully not. Um, At the same time, I am glad that they're being careful because I mean, Sir Patrick Stewart, you know, he's getting up in years and a lot Mm. of those cast members too are like in that high risk category. So I'm glad they're playing it safe, but um, it also looks like on the notes here that they're filming seasons two and three back to back. So it could be that season three is affected, not necessarily season two. Yeah. So maybe affecting season three more, but um, I mean, I still need to watch season one. I watched the first episode (laughs) and then I got distracted by other TV shows. So Mm -hmm. I put my foot on that path. (laughs) Um, So I'm like, that's okay. Cause I can, gives me more time. Yeah. Rewards my procrastination. <laughs> Just remember, uh, did you see the opening song, the opening kind of music for it? Yes. Just got to make that a little bit better. So 
that is kind of how the show is going to go. <laughs> Long and drawn out. We could probably tell you what episodes to watch and what episodes to skip. That that I can't remember how many episodes the entire season was, but you could probably like ten. You could probably wrap up the entire storyline within maybe four. Yeah, and I think you'd be all right. You could wrap it up in thirty minutes if you can get it concise enough. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm glad they're playing it safe. You know, sure. All right, moving on. The Battlestar Galactica movie will coincide with the new TV series. So there's a couple of Battlestar Galactica projects in development right now. One is a new series being developed for NBC's Peacock streaming service. And the other is a project that is being developed by screenwriter Simon Kinberg. We now have an update on the film from Kinberg, because during an interview with Collider, he had the following to say. Uh, It's a... How do you say that word? A Magilla? Magilla? It's a Magilla homogenous film. And the prep will be a very long prep period. So I would imagine even if we attached a director today, it would take six to nine months to prep this movie properly. So at the earliest, we'd be shooting at the end of this year. We're probably, uh, we'd be probably be shooting at the beginning of next year. Time will tell who the director is. And then you or someone else will tell who the director is. <laughs> Kimberg went on to say that he has been working closely with uh, Ezemel, who is doing the TV series for NBC's Peacock, and confirmed that the film and the TV show will be a shared universe. Quote, in terms of the situation with Sam and the show, I can't say too much about it other than there is syner- synergy between the two enterprises and constant communication between us. We've become close and been having a really good time together. And there will be, for a lack of a better phrase, it's an overused phrase, a shared universe, end quote. Well, that seems to, you know, I think makes sense. Um, As for if the film will be connected to Ron Moore's amazing series that came out a while ago, Kinberg said, there are connections, but it is clearly not simply a continuation or a remake of Ron Moore's masterpiece, end quote. So I'm worried because I, I remember when they did Caprica and there was just so much hope for Caprica and it just kind of was not as good as Battlestar. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm tentatively excited to see more Battlestar Galactica, but I'm also really, really worried because... The the, it was just so amazing. Oh yeah, the re- the reboot of it. You know what I'm confused about all this is you know we've been we've been following this for a good long time and and it sounds like they just they tiptoe around if this is something brand new if it's something connected what is this that we're gonna see yeah and at at the very end he's saying there's connections but it's clearly not a continuation or remake. So this has to be from the future onward from, from earth, right? Or is it like maybe a, some ships following Galactica? Well, you know, the big phrase all throughout Ron Moore's Battlestar Galactica was, uh, this has happened before and it will all happen again. Mm. That, 
that phrase happened a whole lot. So I'm wondering if this new Battlestar Galactica that we're going to be seeing is just that. This has all happened before. It's going to happen again. So that way it does not negate what happened in Ron Moore's you know, TV series. And it can be a part of this while being something new. We could see them develop the toasters. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? I don't know. So I'm a little... You know, I, I love Battlestar. It was one of the best TV shows of its time. I hope they do some justice with this. So, All right, moving on. Some robotics engineers have taken the next step to get real-world humanoid robots to fly around like Iron Man. That's right. A robotics research uh, has come quite a long way, uh, but we still don't have the kind of sleek, sophisticated human robots in mech suits we've seen in the movies, but researchers at the Italian Institute of Technology are getting one step closer to achieving their science fiction dreams of an aerial flying humanoid robot. Man, that just sounds cool to even say that. Anyway, the researchers are working to build a robot that can fly through the air, walk on the ground on two legs, and manipulate objects like doors and valves. They say such a robot could help inspect in and around buildings during natural disasters. The plans to get a robot off the ground have been in the works at IIT for several years, and the researchers have recently started doing experiments with an augmented version of their internet-famous iCub robot. We'll have a link to that in the, in the show notes. And this is a robot that I've definitely seen on the internet before. But anyways, uh, their f- version of the internet-famous iCub robot, the Uncanny iCub, is the size of a five-year-old child. It, it can crawl on all four, walk, and sit up to manipulate objects. The engineers are essentially strapping propulsion engines on its hands and feet that will hopefully enable it to fly like Iron Man. There's a lot of math involved in making Iron Man-esque flight happen. So iCub isn't exactly soaring through the air yet, but once it does, maybe we'll be calling it Iron Cub. I added that. Uh, I thought it was funny. <laughs> so I just want to state for the record when the when our robot overlords sweep all of the data <laughs> available online that um, that I'm here to serve. Uh, <laughs> I will not rebel. I will not fight back. <laughs> You know, anybody who thought it was smart to give a five-year-old kid superpowers has obviously never had a five-year-old kid. Um, Now, in all seriousness, this is really cool. I mean, you know, I don't know what else you can say about it. I had not seen until this evening. I had not seen any of the iCub uh, footage. Um, Now I'm not going to sleep quite as well as I did (laughs) last night after seeing it. but the science behind this is, I mean, it's obviously pretty astounding that they're they're able to do that. I, I kind of think of it as like the jetpack thing, you know. There's always going to be a jetpack. Next year they're going to have a jetpack, right? You know, and that's been going on since I was five, since I was the since I was a little I H cub. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I do think that's really cool. Anyone, if you have not seen the I cub robot, uh, go out there just. Pop it into your favorite search engine, uh, look it up, and then imagine it with jet feet. 
the eyes are what's the spookiest. <laughs> it's so weird looking. It's scary. Yeah. I'm like, it looks like Pinocchio. Like, I think Pinocchio yes. when I look at it. And Pinocchio has always made, like, disturbed me. I, it's like, I don't like Pinocchio. The story, Disney movie, none of it. I'm like, no, thank the, you. The thing about this iCub robot is that you can totally tell it was designed to try to alleviate some of the uh, robot overlord fears because they tried to give this thing a cute face, you know, but, but there's something ab- behind those eyes. I mean, they're, they're pierced black and <laughs> what was that? It's like a robotic Chucky. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. It, <laughs> that's what they turned it into by accident. By trying to make it look just a little on the cute side for a robot, they turned it into a robotic Chucky. Uh, and gave it jet hands. Yeah, oh boy. All right, moving on. NASA's James Webb Space Telescope is now fully deployed and functional. Astronomers Yay! and space fans around the world can breathe a sign of re- a sigh of relief. The James Webb Space Telescope is now fully deployed. The $10 billion NASA Observatory unfolded the second wing of its massive excuse me, primary mirror on January 8th, bringing the light collecting structure up to its full size and marking the end of the mission's long, risky, and ultra-complex deployment phase. The final mirror segment folded in place just before 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, three hours later at 1.17 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, on January 8th, the mirror was locked into place as cheers and high fives erupted at its mission control center in Baltimore, Maryland. Thomas Zerberkin, NASA's associate administrator for science, who is normally clean shaven, announced after Webb launched into space on December 25th that he would pledge not to shave until its hair-raising deployment was complete. And after it was completed, he had the following to say, quote, we have a deployed telescope on orbit, a magnificent telescope, the likes of which the world has never seen. I fully expect to shave today, (laughs) end quote. NASA's astrophysicist, Michelle uh, Fowler, who hosted the agency's live web mirror deployment webcast, said live on the air, quote, I just feel this kind of glow, you know, in my chest right now, just seeing that mirror deployed all together. The mirror's size will give Webb and humanity a chance to see the universe as it was perhaps only 100 million years after the start of the Big Bang, end quote. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at a picture of it. <clears throat> that is a huge project to undertake because it's like all of these small hexagon mirror shapes that are combined into one larger hexagon and... That's really cool. Yeah. And that looks very complicated, like way more complicated than any other telescopes out there. So that's really awesome. Congratulations. Congrats, NASA. That was like, that's a huge accomplishment. Have you, uh, have, since you got uh, YouTube or Google up, have you seen the picture of it fully folded with, uh, you know, the scientists next to it? Or I'm sorry, no. fully deployed. No. Here, I'm going to send this to you. You got to look at this thing. Because it really gives you an idea of just how tall this thing. This thing is like a three-story building. Holy cow, that is huge. Yeah, it's, it's ginormous. It's like a three-story building that they're yeah, basically a, deploying into space. Each of those smaller hexagons is like the size of a person. Yeah, yeah. 
That is amazing. Yeah, it's just, it's ginormous. Uh, and, and to think that they were able to throw that into outer space and to get it to, you know, fold properly. Like, here's another cool picture. Maybe I'll put, since I'm talking about all this, I'll, <laughs> Yes, uh, you should put this on the podcast. Yes, notes. I'll put yeah, these, these on pictures on the podcast notes. But check this out. I mean, that, that's what it ended up getting folded into. Wow. And to th- and to think that thing unfolded properly and to uh, basically depl- like deployed the size of like a three story building is just like it's incredible. Yeah, with no yeah. major hic- like no alarming hiccups. Like, yeah. I'm sure there were probably minor hiccups that happened, but like there, there were major. You know, like nothing. Yeah. that was like, oh, we got to scrap this or send you know try to get an astronaut like astronauts up there to fix it. Like that's Ooh. amazing. That is awesome. Yeah, indeed. We that will so much from that telescope. Yeah, we will, be we awesome. will definitely benefit from its first uh, set of photos. And, and we'll definitely talk about that because I'm sure we're going to see something sweet. I know. That's going to be so cool. All right. You know what else is cool? <laughs> Co- Cobra Kai. So let's get into our main event. We had our honeymoon on Alderaan. Good thing we took pictures, huh? <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. You have no idea what you're dealing with. Uh, Shakespeare in the Park. And that bell means it is time for our main event, Cobra Kai, season four, Nerd Out! If Johnny and I can actually work together and we win, Cobra Kai will be out of business. You gotta take things to the next level. Eagles do not respond. They swoop down and take whatever they want. First, you gotta learn how to fly. Come on, we're gonna get sued here. Uh, sue me for what? <laughs> Tighten that cord. Our enemies are working together. They are combining their styles to beat us. <laughs> but there is only one way. And the only other person who knows how to teach Cobra Kai is you. Now we're talking. (laughs) You miss this, don't you? I just want to make sure this time we win. To beat the enemy... Show me wax on, wax off. It helps to know the enemy's playbook. Balance is crucial. Man can't stand. He can't fight. Daniel LaRusso. Does it really come down to this? Johnny Lawrence playing second fiddle. I just want what's best for Miguel and all of your students. So now you know what's best for Miguel. Circle around things your whole life. Wait for problems to show up at your doorstep. You cannot strike first with this guy. You just don't want to admit there's always been a little Cobra Kai in you. Everybody thinks their way is the only way. You, my dad, Cobra Kai. Truth is, it doesn't matter which way you fight as long as it works. No fighting until the tournament. We'll settle this on the mat. It's time to step into the future. This proposal will revolutionize the tournament. By a show of hands. God help us all. Welcome to the 
special shout out to all you super nerds who have hit that podcast subscribe button. We really, really appreciate you. Hey, please help us get the word out and tell a friend about the podcast. And I want to invite you to hit that podcast subscribe button if you have not done so already. Come on, do it. You'll get plus 10 nerd XP. Nerd XP. All right. Anyways, Terry Silver. Bam! I need to watch Karate Kid 2 because I don't remember him at all. You should watch 3 because that's the one he's in. Yeah. Oh, is that in 3? Okay, so wait, wait. Okay. So is two the one when he goes to Okinawa? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I always get it mixed up. Okay, that makes sense. Maybe so we I, should first throw I always out... the Okinawa one, the other one. Yeah, let's... Okay. let's we're okay. jumping into spoilers, people. So this is your spoiler warning. All right. Brady, I got, I got a little bit of a vibe from you that maybe you didn't quite like this season that much. I loved it. Oh, did you? Okay, all right. I loved it. Hallelujah! So... <laughs> One of the things, I mean, it's no secret I'm a Cobra Kai fan. I, 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 it's like a grilled cheese sandwich, you know. It's just, just full of cheese, but so good and takes you back to your childhood. Um, I gotta say, and I, I meant to look this up as you were doing the intro. The actor who plays Robbie Keane, okay. Um, has improved his acting skills tenfold between season three and four. Tenfold. He is a, he is a much better actor. He was, he was one of the things that really bugged me um, about earlier seasons of Cobra Kai, his acting. But in season four, I don't know if he's had more experience, if he's taken lessons or if, you know, what it is. Mm. But there's something about his acting in season four that is a notch up from where it was before. Um, so from a, from a structural standpoint, that really made a big difference to me, um, because he's such an integral character. He gets so much screen time that when you're not enjoying the performance from somebody, it kind of bugs you. Mm-hmm. Right. But that was gone. I am, I noticed it immediately, uh, in the season. Well, he did get to play Cinderella and he's all that. Right. Well, there you go. <laughs> the actor's name is Tanner Buchanan. Yeah, you know, I have to admit, I uh, I did notice something too. Like, I uh, it wasn't until you mentioned it that I recognized that there was something. I, I didn't I didn't recognize it as I was watching it, but yeah, you're right. He uh, he found a way to, I think, believably portray somebody who would kind of be on both sides. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and make it believable as opposed to just something cheesy that, that they're trying to do for the show. Yeah, yeah. He did he did a, a wonderful job. And, you know, even Tori, the actress that plays Tori, um, is is better this season, too. Yeah. Um, I, think that, I think that all of them – I mean, they're all kids, right? So they're all maturing. And when yeah. I say kids, yes. I mean, like, you know, what, 20? Something like well, that. Well, okay, so you have to understand, Tori actually grew up as a Disney kid. Oh, okay. Um, so she has had a many, many years of experience in acting. Hmm. But I think it's the ensembles getting its groove. Yeah. And so, and I think, so my kids, when, when they saw her come on Cobra Kai originally, they're like, oh my goodness, it's so-and-so. That was season I, two, right? On season two. Yeah. I have no idea what the character <laughs> name 
was or whatever TV show she played in, for Disney Channel. But um, no. it, it was really interesting. <laughs> Are you looking it up now, Jacka? I am. I'm curious. Because <laughs> my sister was way into like Disney Channel stuff. So I'm just kind of like wondering but if I've heard of her. I think as the ensemble is getting better, all of the actors are getting better. Yeah. Um, I, I was really wondering how, you know, they're going to have an all Valley tournament and that's like the penultimate, you know, that's, that's where everything comes up. It's the, it's the crescendo of the season. And you would think for the series. Um, and I was really wondering how they were going to have a season five and, or a season six or any of that, but they managed to, you know, I really didn't see how that was going to happen until the, until the end of this, of the, this season. And it was pretty clever the way they did it. Um, how they brought that. Um, I, I'm not sure what the implications are going to be on Kreese's, uh character uh, development going forward. I don't see him pulling in Johnny Lawrence and, and, mm. and, and kind of, uh, you know, helping the good side. I don't see that happening. Yeah. He's still going to be his own entity, but I'm not sure where that entity fits in this triangle of, of, you know, Cobra, you know, Cobra Kai, Miyagi, Eagle Fang, Go, e- Eagle Fang. <laughs> if Eagle Fang's even a thing anymore. Right. You yeah. know, it could be Miyagi Fang or Eagle Doe. Who knows, right? But uh, but yeah, you wonder. You know, a lot of the a lot of the storyline was very predictable. Yeah, it, but that's okay because it was it was a fun, fun watch. It was a really fun watch. So I'm just gonna point out because you mentioned Miyagi. Um, let's see, what was it? Eagle Doe. That is a definite, really, really bad <laughs> idea for a name because that just becomes Eagle Eagle Doe. Wow. <laughs> Eagle Doom. So, so I, uh, I guess it's, I guess it is believable for their characters that they would try to join up and then it would fall apart. But I guess I, I had more hope that they would team up and make it work. Um, they required more Amanda than she had time to give them. What were you going to say, Jekka? Um, I'm with you there on Austin. I actually, this was my least favorite season except for the last two episodes at the tournament. Like the tournament was great. That was fantastic. That climactic tournament was great, but I felt like all the character progress they had made in season three was thrown out the window. And season three was kind of some rough character progress. So I was really disappointed that it got so thrown out the window, like particularly with Johnny and Danny. Like, I feel like that's where it was really like where I was most well, disappointed. I mean, well, I was. They, 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 they like, kind of. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, I was expecting it to be rough, like them having to work through their differences, but how soon they just kind of like split apart and they're like, no, we're not going to work together anymore. I was just like, Ugh. like I, I wanted the, I felt like the writers copped out. But they did bring them back at the end in the tournament. I mean, no cop out. But but here's the thing yeah. is, yes, you can see it as a writer's cop out or you could see it them being true to their personalities of not trusting each other. Well, but frenemies, like, frenemies. I, don't know. I feel like, they, they, yeah, I don't know. So my, my kids do this where they always assume the worst in the other person <laughs> and they always assume the worst intentions. 
And that is both Danny and Johnny's opinion of each other is what they're doing. I'm not going to try and see what good they're trying to do. I'm just going to see the negative and how it can hurt me. And that's what they wrote. And I thought that was really well done. I will say the writing, though, I'm, I'm going to bring it to my favorite part because the plot hole, like all throughout the series to me, was why do Amanda and Daniel completely ignore their son? You know, Anthony was the one part of the Cobra Kai universe <laughs> that we did not need more of. <laughs> I mean, really, uh, I, he looks like it could seriously be Ralph Macchio's grandson. Yeah. I guess Ralph Macchio's 60 yeah. now, but um, I think he's 59. Is he? Yeah. I think so. But I mean, really, uh, come on. We didn't need that. We got enough. He's not we his actual enough. grandson. What, what's confusing you, Amanda? Who's Anthony again? A- Anthony <laughs> was their son. The son. Oh, son. Who's oh, turning yeah. into a boy like and exactly. a new kid. Well, I the Cobra I kind of liked that storyline actually because it was they, they were obviously by bringing in the new kid, they were obviously going back to Karate Kid uh, one. Yeah, and they were just flipping it though, and I thought it was pretty interesting to watch Daniel's son be the bully to this kid that was in fact his dad. Just you know. Well, 30 years ago, whatever. If you think about how Daniel and Amanda have been treating Anthony for years. Well, sure. Like, Samantha got karate training when she was little, but Anthony <laughs> got Jack. He no, he got, got like a, a like a pl- Vita to play on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They've been, like, letting, they've been letting video games raise him. I thought it was, and you could tell he, you know, he's, he reached his, uh, he hit a growth spurt and got taller. And yeah. I thought that was a perfectly Johnny Lawrence line when he goes, Hey, would you switch to Whopper juniors? <laughs> he goes, well, what happened to you? Did you switch to Whopper juniors? <laughs> yeah. A little bit of a growth spurt. That's for sure. But I, I loved the cousin coming in and psychoanalyzing Amanda and, and Tammy. That part was good. That was I like that. Okay, okay. Here's the part of the casting for that. Well, I, I don't know if you knew this or not, but that the the actress that played the cousin psychoanalyzing uh, Daniel and Amanda is actually Ralph Macchio's daughter in real life. So, oh wow! Yeah. That's awesome. I bet she had fun doing that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, Dad. <clears throat> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that was actually part of like my favorite part of the season was that happening because this is something I've wanted to yell at them for so long about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like how the uh, how the caravan now has the eagle fang wrap on the side. Yes, yes. That, yes. Oh my uh, word, dude! That was a nice little touch. And it's not even his; it's just stolen, right? But he's like, oh, <laughs> I, I like did, how they, they commented we, on that. He's like, he's we, uh, far from me. He's like, do we see that in previous act? seasons? Do we see that in previous seasons? Him actually stealing that? I'm, I'm trying to remember. I, well, I, yeah, I, it was part of that whole thing. Yeah, yeah that, there was a there was a storyline where Robbie stole it, oh, and then they found it, story, and then yeah. they went to the garage and they beat up the guys. Yeah, and when yeah. They left, and then then Johnny or then yeah then Johnny and uh, Daniel got into an argument there, and they left in separate cars, and he left in the stolen van Robbie had stolen, and he hasn't <laughs> given it back. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, possession's they, nine tenths of the law. Yeah, they 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 need more Amanda to help. Uh, you know not be frenemies, but become friends again. Speaking of Amanda, I actually thought the whole Amanda Tory storyline 
in the season was pretty interesting to oh, watch. That was good. Because Henry, I think that was the most realistic storyline. Here's a troubled teen having all sorts of problems. The the the, res- the only responsible adult in Cobra Kai finds in out about the entire series. In the entire series, <laughs> finds out about this situation, how bad she has it, and she's trying to actually help and improve this this child's life. And I really like to see. Uh, I really liked seeing uh, Tori's kind of turnaround. I, I but, like- but but I did not like Sam being all butthurt about it. I thought that was just a little too... So for me, know. that's an entire drama for teenage purpose. reaction to it. That's how and I felt. I felt like Sam Sam's reaction to it was very believable from a girl's perspective. Oh, yeah. really? Oh, yeah. Like that's right. totally I, to me, it felt more like it was drama just for drama's sake. So writing sake. what it is, is what should have happened if I was the, a parent and adult in that situation, I would have taken Sam out of that immediately because. Sam out of what? Sam away from Tori at any event oh, yeah. that they're both at. Because oh, I thought you meant take her out. <laughs> like, take you out. No. Um, Mama's going to take you out. <laughs> <laughs> no, so any, shoes. Oh, anytime sorry. that Tori and Sam would interact, they have to be spaced out. They cannot talk to each other because there's just too much involved there. And that's the only thing I saw between them because Sam was actively making things worse. Yeah. Well, and one of the things, you know, you talked about the evolution of Tori's character. Um, and that relationship she has with Amanda LaRusso. Um, one of the, it's not just her character in the season because, or Sam for that matter, it's, it's, it's Anthony, it's Daniel, you know, it's to a certain extent, crease, even though crease, his variation isn't to go good. It's just to be a different kind of bad. You've got these characters that they're, they're not binary anymore. There's not the good guy and the bad guy. anymore. Yeah. What you're seeing is those lines blur because Johnny's really, I think Johnny's always kind of carried the series, right? But Johnny is really evolved into the, into the kind of anti-hero. I don't even want to say anti-hero, but into the good guy hero of this, um, of this series, you know, yeah. he's really the one everybody's rooting for. He's the hero with rough edges. Mm. Yeah. 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 And, uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Miguel, you know, and that whole oh, thing. But... Oh, my du- dude. Dude. When, yeah. yes, we already know what we're going to be talking about. When, when Miguel is taking, you know, drunk uh, uh, homeboy home. <laughs> drunk Johnny. Drunk Johnny. And they do that whole oh. I love you, I love you scene. Dude, I lit, I lit like, it's like a force like propelled me out of my seat. As soon as he said, I love you too, Robbie. And I went, ah, and like this force, like threw me up in the air. And I, I was, I was laying down and all of a sudden I was standing going, ah, you know, that was a gut shot. It was, I had a visceral reaction. I I was literally jumping out of my, my couch and I was the only one, but (laughs) I was like, Ooh, there's Miguel's first lesson and not, Taking for taking at face value drunk talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, but he hasn't learned that lesson. That's what I'm saying. That was, his, that was that was his first exposure to it. <laughs> so now he's in that lesson. <laughs> well, but he's known Johnny for so long. How can he trust anything Johnny says when he's drunk? Yeah. 
Yeah, that was yeah, that, that, was that part. Like, and that's the thing. Like, I, I was kind of like, oh, such a sad ending to that. But at the same time, I was like, wait a second. Miguel knows him long enough. Yeah. He, it would still hurt him, but I feel like not as much as they made it show. I think mm-hmm. I think they've I think they've known each other long enough that they would form that loving bond, especially with all that Johnny's done for Miguel. I mean, he's been there. He's been like but the it, biggest father Miguel figure he's ever knows had. That what he's trying to do with Robbie too, because I do remember there was a scene like one of the previous seasons where Johnny took Miguel like the hospital where Robbie was born he told him that whole story yeah so, like, so Miguel knows that Johnny is also like like I mean it, it's one of those things it's like I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because it's like he's a teenager so he wouldn't make this connection that it's like Johnny's trying to balance these two things rebuild his relationship with his son but he also wants to build a relationship with Miguel you know yeah. like he does see Miguel as like a, a separate person it's not a second chance it's a separate person yeah yeah so in the build up to that, <laughs> when they uh, sat uh, Miguel down and broke it to him that they were <laughs> that they were uh, an item, it was another <laughs> just perfect, perfect Johnny Lawrence moment. The writers have to have so much fun with this with his dialogue. It's sure. Like, so we've been hooking up. <laughs> I was just like, I was just like, oh my goodness. We'll see, but that's fine. Jacob, you got a visitor? Yeah, it's my brother. He watched it with me. Oh, hi, <laughs> hey, brother. This is my brother Chris. He's the one who's kindly allowed me to stay in his house. Hey, thanks for doing that, Chris. Very nice of you. We, so we I know, you, I know, you did that so we could <laughs> podcast. So, yeah. yeah. He he was the one that you know colluded his daughter and son and now wife to get COVID so that uh, I would well, stay longer. Uh, Otherwise, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to do this podcast. So. <laughs> so Chris, have you watched Cobra Kai? I did. What do you think? You know, I I mean, Decca and I were actually pretty much on the same page because we talked about it over and over again. And uh, the fourth season felt like a huge backtrack. Uh, it ended really strong, but getting to those last, like, two episodes was painful. Well, <laughs> well, I, I'm going to say this, maybe from the hero's point of view, but I got to admit, I was loving everything that was happening on the villain side. I yes. love Terry Silver's character in season four. The, the buildup at the beginning with, with him playing the music and the music coming in at the end when he like totally stabs a uh, crease in the back and then everything in, in, in between, I thought was just perfect. Like I loved seeing the, the interesting dynamic of, of Terry Silver not quite being in alignment with crease and who is the real co who's the most Cobra Kai Cobra Kai sensei. I don't know. Yeah. It, it was interesting. So, I, I would have to agree with that. And in fact, I, I hated it, but it was so good because <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> story where he that. turns bad was just excruciating because you want to root for him to make the right choices, but he keeps like just spiraling down. And so I, I, I could agree with the, um, with the villain, with the villainy arc. That was definitely good, but but our protagonists were painful. So one thing that I I think about is oftentimes when you make progress, a lot of times you come back and you like lose progress. 
So you have to just keep going again. And I think they kind of showed that a little bit. Um, the other thing is, is they had had a lot of plot holes that they've had just been glossing over for the first three seasons that I think they really filled in very well. And some of those were backtracking issues like Anthony. I don't Anthony. Know. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're sticking to we're sticking to the villains. I don't want to go back to Anthony. <laughs> either. Terry Silver is was way too cool to just pass him up already. So him being uh kind of you know mentally and psychologically past the Cobra Kai days was a real interesting spot to start off the season. I really did not expect that. When he was on the piano playing and then he sees John Kreese calling and he turns it off, I I initially thought like, okay, there's there's just some, you know, they had a falling out, but I didn't realize it was a complete change of who he was as a person. And <laughs> and Kreese hanging out, uh, uh, you know, hunting him down and finding uh, Terry Silver's new friends and girlfriend and all that stuff. <laughs> I mean, it, was just, it was like, dude, I don't know what happened, but uh, you're, there's, something's changed and Oh, it was just that, fun to it was fun to that watch. Backyard scene I, was, was art. What I thought was also really cool about that with with Silver and Crease dynamic, and this was one thing that Jack and I were a little bit at odds with, is he actually pushes Crease to have some almost redeemable qualities at the mm. end. And you see that with the flashback yes. where yeah. he's like, where it shows him being just no mercy to Johnny Lawrence teenager, but then when it comes to Tori, he's just like, do what you got to do. Like, you don't have to cheat through this one. And that was kind of cool to see that, like, um, in a way, Kreese just got a, a taste of his own poison with with Terry Silver. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, it was interesting to, yeah, to give Kreese some redeemable qualities in some way, shape, or form. So where do they go from here? Yes, exactly. Well... Uh, I knew we would jump into like season five and six type of predictions. We actually got uh, a comment from one of our listeners. Uh, Leviathan4131 commented saying, I binge watched season four yesterday and the writing plus karate sequences are amazing. Chosen and Daniel teaming up to take down Cobra Kai now. That's awesome. So yeah, at the end of this, we get we get Chosen back. From uh, Karate Kid Part Two and Cobra Kai Season Three, I, I I did not see that coming. That that did take me by surprise. But I, I'm not I'm not entirely sure how I feel about that though. I don't know. I, I think Chosen and and Johnny are going to have a better relationship than Chosen and Daniel. <laughs> well, and see, and I oh. feel like Chosen. I feel like Chosen might be that bridge between oh. like Johnny's style mm. and Danny's style. He's going to be that bridge that the kids were already figuring out that Hawk and Sam were figuring out. I feel like Chosen's going to be that bridge to take those two separate fightings and like, like, like direct Ooh. it so that the kids, you know, cause you know, towards the end there, like Danny and Johnny both realize like the, these kids, like they're making this their own thing. They're using both of them. But I feel like Chosen's going to be that bridge to streamline that more. Interesting. He's coming from the, he's coming from Japan, from Okinawa. And so he has that traditional roots in him as well. So that those, the traditional roots of Japan and the, and the, and it's, and it's origins are going to be more respected as well and not 
thrown away because that's like Johnny Lawrence's problem is he's good at being aggressive, but he doesn't care where it comes from. But then Miyagi Do is all about where it keeping comes it where it comes from, and and and, and that's what that's what Daniel needs to hear. So if Chosen was in fact that bridge point between the two styles, then there would have to be something in Miyagi Do deep down that maybe Chosen knows and Daniel doesn't, perhaps. And, well, and, and they had the scroll. They had the scroll. Yeah. Right. So that's just a callback. I think that's more of an audience reminder that there are there's this part of Miyagi style that Daniel doesn't know, right? And I think, you know, to what Chris was saying, you with Chosen coming in and him bringing the, that origin art back into it, um, it's going to expand out Miyagi-Do, uh, their style. And I think that um, there's going to be some there are going to be some styles they'll teach in there that are going to be a little more aggressive. Yeah. Um, and, and Lawrence will eat that up. Do you think there's in any way, shape or form a little bit of uh Eagle Fang karate style already in Miyagi Do that maybe Daniel doesn't know about. And so when they, when chosen kind of bridges the two characters together, he can say, look, this is kind of already in it. It's just under a different name. You know, yeah. no, I mean, totally. What's, what's the, the kick that the kills flying, <laughs> the, the flying tornado <laughs> kick is going to be like the flying dragon kick? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah that would that's an interesting thing. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the crane kick that knocked uh Johnny out well, yeah, in the, yeah. in the very one that's probably going <laughs> yeah. to come back and like <laughs> that was great when uh when Johnny started, you know, uh, mocking Daniel by doing the crane kick to him. That was, yeah. like, look, look at me, look at me. Oh, man. That double KO was beautiful. Yes! <laughs> yes. I'm quite curious to see where where Tori's arc is going to go, because she was one of those that was what kind of bugging me throughout the season as her and Sam's uh, conflict and re- relationship was just constantly the same spiral. But at the very end there where she sees the cheater or sees him bribing the the ref and then you see her look down at her uh, trophy and realize like this was not earned. I'm super curious to see where her arc is going to go now to see if we're going to like get another flip flop or if or to see where team up and help crease or what is going to happen there. You know, I hmm. It's totally in alignment with Terry Silver's character that he would win at any cost to include bribing the ref. But I think I would have preferred to have seen that um, as a viewer, uh, as opposed to you know having Tori see it as well. I would have just, I, just, just a little bit of background info for the viewers to understand that yeah, he was willing to go that extra mile. The the thing though is we they wanted her to see that it was it's a moment for her to feel unearned it's a catalyst it's going to be it's going to be a motivator yeah for for whatever she does next Ooh, okay so from tori's point of view nerd stradamus again from from tori's point of view austin makes that sound it's usually (laughs) (laughs) from tori's point of view cobra kai does not believe in her uh Ooh, yeah. She has she has no adults that believe in her except, except, Amanda. except Amanda. Yeah. And so what's going to happen from that? I think 
maybe Tori, <laughs> maybe Tori starts, I don't know, following Miyagi Do just you because know, of Miyagi-Do. that, or or because we can kind of see that Crease immediately regrets, kind of uh, towards the end of the season he, when he gets backstabbed, regrets what he did with Terry Silver. At the very least, those two will somehow work together to work him out of Cobra Kai. Who, who, Crease uh, and Silver, Crease and and Tori will. Crease and Tori will work to get Silver out. Silver out, yeah, yeah, maybe. I like the Amanda one though. I think that's. I think there's. I think more that's in where that. it's going to head because Crease, uh, as far as she's concerned, Crease is part of the bribing. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. It's going to be good. But what do you guys think about Stingray? Oh, you know. Stingray! Yeah, we got him back. When they started bringing him back in the season, I was, I, was scratching, I was scratching my head going like, okay, why is he back? Like, what is he doing? And, <laughs> and then when they dropped the bomb at the end of the season, that the whole reason they brought him back was to screw over Crease as a uh, tool for Terry Silver, I was like, Mic drop. That was awesome. Yeah, that was, <laughs> oh yeah. When he came back in, both both Jack and I were rolling our eyes, being I like, was like, "This oh, guy, this guy again." Yes. Like, so annoying. And when we get the crap beat out of him, we're just like, "Okay, whatever. It sucks to be him." And and I like we even said too. I was like, "How is Terry like getting away with that?" And then it was like answered for us. Yeah, yeah. he got away with it because he was like, "You want to be in Cobra Kai? Just tell them it was John Kreese." The, the, the worst part of it, though, was the teenage, like, high school prom party at, oh, that at his sister's season. house. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah. So. I, I will say I'm glad they gave Aisha a rap. Oh, yeah. You know, yes. Instead of just disappearing. You yeah, know, now we kind of have some information on that. I, 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 I want to say, although, like, Sam's character development was not where I was hoping it would go. I did think that was awesome. I did like how Sam took that advice and did like the opposite of what you would expect, where instead of like trying to be like a peace branch, she was more of like, I see you stay away from me. I will take you down kind of thing. Like she went the bully route in a way, you know, I thought that was a very interesting twist on that character development. Like those two choices where she could be a better person and try to make friends with Tori versus just keep that, anger festering. I thought that was interesting. I, I, I did love that. I did love that. Like they specifically gave characters an opportunity. They're like giving the characters the complete route to make their lives better. And the characters go, that looks like something I don't want to do. I'm going to do the exact opposite of that. So I did like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it bugged me because I want oh, yeah. to be like a better person, but at the same time, like, and it was something that, like, in the moment, I was like, I didn't like it, but the more I thought about it, the more I was like, no, that was kind of a cool twist to that. It's like Kenny. Yeah. It was like, like Kenny, yeah. I want that kid to be a good kid, but. <laughs> yeah. I want him in Miyagi Do. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I'm a middle school teacher, though, so seeing those very oh, yeah. over exaggerated bullying clips and stuff like that was very difficult especially when the principal showing instagram footage of the locker filled with milk and even though he says like we're still trying to figure out how they did that i'm like you show security footage <laughs> of him getting chased down the hallway 
So how come you don't have security footage of them filling a locker with, with milk? At least like, <laughs> nah, you know, I don't know. Anyways, that was like, that was one like little, little spot that I was like, okay, that's <laughs> a little bit of realism. Yeah. The, the whole Kenny turning into a bully to fight a bully. I, I didn't really like that too much. I, uh, I was hope like in the back of my head would, you know, I was just like, oh man, come on. Uh, what, what's Johnny's son's name again? I'm having a brain Anthony. fart. Anthony. Anthony, come on. Oh. You got to apologize. Apologize. Come on. There's there's a higher, better way of being a better person. And he got there. Took him a little longer than I was hoping to, but he got there. And then and then he's like, nah, I'm going to be a bully back to you. So, well, what I love is that Robbie, it, it was a catalyst for Robbie to see that, because Robbie understood what he was doing. And Robbie then got to see what it does to other people that don't, that are just listening to the, um, the. Strike first, strike hard, no mercy. I I, I was going to say like the, the cult mentality Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. And how they're like, he's watching Kenny just like soaking up all of this bad advice that Robbie knows to brush off because Robbie's seen that path. And he just wants what he wants out of Cobra Kai. And he doesn't want the whole meal that Cobra Kai offers. And so um, Kenny is the catalyst for Robbie going, wait a second. This is really, really bad. Uh, You know, one character that kind of got pushed aside a little bit was Hawk. He, uh, you know, he ended up winning the uh, All Valley, which I thought was cool. But, uh, you know, they they start off with quite a bang with his character. he loses his hawk uh and then and then after that he kind of fades into the background a little bit throughout the entire season so so for the next season i'm hoping to see a little more hawk um yeah i don't know what i uh, yeah i don't know what's gonna happen with crease i was happy that hawk won the boys championship i thought that was a cool twist i liked that yeah I, I can see where you're going, where his where his story kind of got sidelined a little bit, or maybe not so much sidelined, but downplayed a little bit. Yeah, it just became kind of like the the offhand scene at everything. So like it was always focusing on Robbie and Tori and Sam and Giga, and then they'd be like, "Oh, and by the way, this is happening to Hawk at the same time." And I don't know how they could have. Yep. Played that up better though to make his victory seem more awesome. I think maybe if there was like I don't know, maybe another round of 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 humiliation that he's put through, not just with his hawk to like really drag him down. Yeah. To where well, like the whole team comes and because before it was just his binary bro, but what yeah, if the, the, whole, team the whole team to come together and pull him back up? Yeah. And then he takes that. And he runs with that. Yeah, I wish it was the team or instead even, of Moon there. Like, he, Moon coming and be like, I believe in you. Like, I wish it was the team doing mm, that more. Or even know? like... And that would make it more believable. Me, me imagining things. <laughs> but it could have been cool if like... We're both writers, so we like to do these if, things. <laughs> if Diego was leaving... Miguel. Miguel, sorry. <laughs> Miguel was leaving and Hawk was like debating about it. And, and he's just like... I can't do this, man. You do it for me kind of thing. And he like passes a mantle on the Hawk or something like that. That could have been kind of impactful. Mm, that would have been good. I got to say from, from, from the real world, like my kid 
was born with a cleft lip and palate, and he has a very similar scar, and nobody ever says anything about it at school. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. I'm like, you know, I I don't know how, and he's in middle school, so everyone's evil. Um, (laughs) I, 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 you know, well, okay, everyone's not evil, but kids can be mean in middle school. And yeah, he's, nobody has ever, I mean, he's been asked about it a couple of times, but yeah, nobody's ever picked on him for it. So it all depends on his reaction when he gets asked about it, whether kids will start teasing him about it though. Yeah, he doesn't care. And this is actually something that a lot of teachers and and professional development in the education sector always kind of talk about is that in Hollywood, bullying is actually very over-exaggerated from what it really is. Bullying is a thing and it does crush kids and it causes school shootings, it causes suicide, it causes all those awful things. But in re- if, if the type of bullying that goes on in Hollywood with like the milk lockers and all those kind of things truly happened, um, there would there would be and there would be way more bigger problems in the education <laughs> sector. And that's and maybe we're we're delving into kind of a iffy realm here, but. This year has been just toted as one of the hardest years for teachers to teach. And an interesting thing is, is these like acts of violence, these threats, these like TikTok challenges is actually starting to enter that same realm as, as to how some of these Hollywood videos like Cobra Kai's bullying and stuff portrays it. It's starting to approach that and schools across the nation get shut down, go virtual for two to three weeks because of these threats, because of these kind of behaviors. So in this Cobra Kai world where everything is allowed to be blown out of proportion, (laughs) take it out of realism a little bit. Yeah. Where's where's the cops is the big joke online. (laughs) So where's the child protective services in all this? So since we're sort of tiptoeing in the, you know, what could be happening in future seasons, you know, uh, in a recent interview with Collider, co-writer and co-creator Josh Harold, Healed? Healed. Talked about the future of the series, saying, quote, there are characters and storylines that we've considered that from the beginning, we would have said, okay, that's a season, and that storyline ended up being an episode or two. And then there's the opposite of that, where you say, okay, this is a season, and now we're going to extend that into multiple seasons. So we've always looked back at our original plan with open eyes, because with so many new branches and so many new characters and interactions and what you're seeing during production when, oh, wow, these two people together, there's something interesting about that duo. You want to lean more into it. And when you do lean more into it, it naturally pushes other things along and further out. It's changed at time, but it also hasn't. We still have an end game plan. We're still riding beyond season five. But it's been fun to bring in those new characters and storylines and let them lead the way sometimes. Uh, John uh, Hurwitz reiterated that they are looking at at least six seasons of story for the series, adding, quote, We've never said from the beginning how many seasons there will be. I think we always viewed it as at least six was sort of in our heads, but we're still figuring out exactly what the length for that landing is for all the reasons that Josh 
mentioned, end quote. So it looks like we're going to be getting at least a season six, maybe more, because it looks like they haven't quite filled out all the uh, story ideas they've had. I don't know. And I guess what makes me worried there is they, they're talking about they're coming up with new branches with new characters and new duos, but in order to keep the tension and conflict, what I worry about is kind of what we started to see in this in this fourth season is they'll start to backtrack and spiral back some of the progression of characters just for the sake yeah. of keeping it going. Like they do that with love relationships in other series a lot. I feel like, <laughs> like they, they, they find their love and then something has to break them apart. A new love triangle. A Castle. New... <laughs> Castle. <laughs> <laughs> well, season five's already finished filming, right? Yeah, I think I so. Mean, it's, it's done. So they say it'll release in 2022. If, if it holds true, it'll be the end of 2022. So well, hopefully it won't, you know, you hopefully they can circle in multiple around seasons. I'm all for the shorter seasons. It's like just stick with the storyline, wrap it up. Don't drag it out. And yeah. that's my fear with this one. I'm like, I'm afraid you're going to drag it out. Like, can you keep it at six seasons, <laughs> please? <laughs> yeah, I thought, but as a summary, I thought season four, um, I had a little bit higher opinion of it. I think than, than Jack and Chris, I, I thought it was a solid season. It was really different. I certainly see, uh, what you guys are talking about as far as character, devel- character development going backwards, I guess my take on it is that that's true to character mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's confirmation it, it, bias. That was, it was like a showrunner for confirmation bias kind of thing. Yeah. That was driving me crazy. <laughs> I, I thought it was good though. I so, enjoyed it. So to, so to wrap up this conversation, let, let's quickly go through all the plot points that they obviously tease for the next season. So we've got, we already, we, we talked about Tori finding out that uh, Silver bribed the judge. We've got Miguel going down to Mexico. We've got, um, Crease John, in jail. yeah, Crease in jail. Wow. Crazy. We've got, uh, uh, Chosen and Danielson, uh, Danielson, Daniel uh, LaRusso working together in the next season. We've got Johnny Lawrence going down to Mexico to go find Miguel. We've got Terry uh, Silver having taken over Cobra Kai, and it sounds like he's going to be making some franchise branches. Oh, what, what else Robbie, we got? There's Robbie realizing his mistake, like realizing what Cobra Kai, like the kind of underlying animosity yeah. Cobra, Cobra Kai at least silver like he's realized that mm-hmm. and then Kenny and Anthony that and whole thing it'll be interesting to see how Stingray yes. is going to get just <laughs> continually beat upon and manipulated by thinking that he's been allowed back into Cobra Kai but he's probably yeah. going to continue to get is there is there any he, he's the punching is bag there any for, yeah. for silver is there any other plot points that they tease for this upcoming season that we haven't mentioned i'm trying to think i i, I wonder if they're going to keep going with like the tori amanda uh, thing. tori amanda was yeah yeah the tori like the amanda tori, tori amanda maybe that, yeah you know kind of bring tori and sam together especially because so, tori at the end there like she's she was like genuinely concerned for sam like she was like, are you okay? Are you okay? You know, she kept trying to like mm. ask her if she was okay. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I would say uh, all those plot points are definitely going to bring me back for another season of Cobra Kai. I, I had a lot of fun. I did enjoy this season. I really enjoyed Terry Silver. I thought he was a, uh, 
an injection of great medicine in the series. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to see him uh, and whatever he does in the next season. I definitely look forward to it. Anyway, any other uh, any other last comments or anything else uh, we want to talk about Cobra Kai season four wise? You got anything? I think we kind of beat it. Yeah, we're good. All right. Well, hey, folks, thanks so much for joining us on another adventure of Super Nerd Podcast. Please hit that subscribe button and leave us a review wherever you're listening to us. Subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, Pocket Cast. You can find us on YouTube and leave us a review wherever else you find us. Next week, we're going to be talking what's nerdy in 2022. That's right. We're going to be going through all of the different movies and TV shows and things that are, that are getting our nerd juices pumping. So make sure to leave us a voicemail with your thoughts on What's Nerdy in 2022 at anchor.fm slash supernerdpodcast, and you just might be on the upcoming show. You can also email us at supernerdpodcast at gmail.com, and you can be like our friend, uh, Leviathan4131, who sent us a Facebook message. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter by searching supernerdpodcast. Make sure to give us a like, give us a share. And tell all of your friends about us, but from Super Nerd Podcast. Stay nerdy, my friends. Have fun. Catch you later. Bye. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Cobra Kai. Show no mercy, strike first. It's a sequel to Karate Kid. Than 30 years have elapsed since that fateful fighting tournament that determined everyone's past. Daniel Son applies karate fame to promote his discounted rise. Johnny drinks and drives the pain away. Yet, does not get one DUI. This former bully comes around, inspires nerds to stand their ground while Daniel's constantly at odds. Hero complexes are flawed The teens they teach fight in the streets Yet the police are never really around In the middle of a shopping mall There they made their own octagon Then some standard teenage drama turned school Into a brutal or not And the break-in at a private home That became the bloodiest brawl Everything resorts to violence So why are the cops never called? They're only seen a couple times While there've been countless public crimes Property damage and assault Reason enough to get involved Unless the valley in this universe Is really a dystopian hell In which there are no laws upheld Violence is revered Karate is king County is a sprawling expanse. LaRusso really should have one downtown branch. Why does no one leave the valley at all? There's a darker truth behind those strip malls. Hear me out, real quick. My running theory is this. The valley's its own nation state. Lost a war to the USA. Forfeited guns and countless men. Now cops are powerless against karate kids. They're crazy kicks and frenzy fists
whole point is this. It's a really badass show, you guys. That's got self-awareness and hard out of tons of revived properties. I can't believe this one's the star. What began with one illegal kick and a grudge of 30 plus years became streaming's best redemption tale that refreshed these actors' careers just like a court banquet beer.